0: Hello and welcome to a new episode of the VIEW podcast, our podcast series on leaders in retail. I'm Julia Dietmar, the Chief Product Officer of VIEW.AI and your host for today. Our today's guest is Andy Rubin, founder of Yordle Recommerce, a retail company that's making it easy for brands to buy back and resell their used items. Before he founded Yordle seven years ago, Andy was the vice president of Walmart's Global E-Commerce Strategy and was also their first and founding chief sustainability officer. He's also recipient of the Sam Walton Entrepreneur Award, Walmart's highest annual honor, and was recognized as 40 under 40 business leader. Welcome, Andy. It's great to have you on our podcast.
1: Thank you. It's great to be here.
0: You've spent many years working in retail before you founded Yordle. What was the idea behind starting a e-commerce business? Tell us how the Yordle journey began.
1: The goal of any retailer is to serve customers. And increasingly, we have so many items in our lives; we're kind of overflowing. It's an abundance of items, and as you know, as customers, it always—you know—the item that we might be buying right now, odds are there's that exact item down the block that you know, someone else has enjoyed and is no longer using. And so it's, I think it's a, a pretty um, obvious almost idea. And you know, in starting Yurtel, it was, we just, I, it was so hard for me not to see this exist in the world at a certain point that um, it, I guess at just some point became the leap of making that the way things worked.
0: What's behind the name Yurtel?
1: Yeah, the, the name uh, Yertle, we, we worked on creating a new word for sharing. When we started Yertle eight years ago, it was originally a peer-to-peer platform, and the word sharing had come to mean where you had dinner last night or your favorite, you know, your favorite shirt. And we wanted more words of sharing to really kind of speak to the community, being part of a community, having more as part of a community. And so we created Yertle that was also um, available with uh, with a website on Instagram, Twitter, etc. Six letters as a new word for, um, for sharing things.
0: That's cool. Um, so, e commerce and uh, sustainability are the core values at Yordle. Why is it so important in today's retail context? How has Yordle led by example to not only sell sustainable products, but also have an overall sustainable business model?
1: Let's start with sustainability, and then we'll come back to the importance for brands and retailers. From a sustainability point of view, just as a global society, We produce 100 billion items every year for 7 billion humans. And I'm talking about about the fashion, luxury, and accessory space. That's an insane amount of production. And what has been happening over the last 30 or 40 years is that we tend to buy more items and use them less. And we need different models um, if we're going to create a better future or even a feasible future. We need better models where we can wear things less but they don't end up living in our closets we get to use them we get to wear them and then we're able to put them back out in the world and that model is an essential part of any future for a retailer or a brand but really a society in terms of just a feasible future why it's so important for brands in addition to sustainability is that it's a change in how customers shop and fundamentally when there's a shift in What we all kind of how we access things. So, be it you know we we used to have smaller closets, Um, you know, in the past. Now our closets are much larger. They tend to include a lot more fast fashion items. Uh, They might include one or two nice pieces. The closet of the future will probably have a few items in it that are being rented. It'll have far more pieces that are staple pieces, maybe from brands that today we couldn't access. But, you know, better items, higher quality, and the closets overall will be a lot smaller, again, because we'll have access to these items as opposed to needing to have every item in every closet. And so as a brand or a retailer that stays relevant to their customer base, brands and retailers have to evolve with this model. And if you are a brand or retailer and not in the resale space, you're simply spending all of your user acquisition or customer dollars for 80% of the market. Because that 20% of the market is, is, has different expectations. So it's just essential, like always, for brands and retailers to stay relevant with macro shifts like this in how we shop.
0: Interesting. So does it mean that you, you just talked about rental and Yordle is, uh, is a platform that powers um, used um, item resale for, for several brands. Are you planning on also getting into rental business and being a platform for rentals?
1: Yeah, so at the moment, we are focused on resale as opposed to rental. I mean, it's never to say that we wouldn't be in that business, but we do see the space. We, we do see it all as the same space. We do see all of both retail, uh, both resale and rental is a way to to gain more access without the necessity to have long-term ownership, right, where these items just sit in our closets forever. So we are excited by the growth in rental, we're excited by the growth in resale, and especially the brands that we're working with and the progress they're making.
0: Um, continuing on kind of sustainability topic, um, what happens to used, unsold items? And how does, yeah, that, one, process, how does that process work at your level?
1: One thing that's great about, um, about the brands that we work with is, especially about getting items back out of closets. We tend to focus on the items that sold really well the first time,
2: mm-hmm.
1: as opposed to the items that didn't sell well the first time, that brands and retailers are trying to figure out what to do with. This is not a, you know, these, these sites that we support our brands in, they're not um, discount sites of items that, that nobody wanted in the first place. These are items that people did want in the first place, items that people bought. And this is kind of their next life, their third or fourth go of it, mm-hmm. right? To, um, you know, to allow a family to be outside camping. And so we tend to have very high sell through because when you're talking about these one of a kind pieces, it's a Patagonia jacket from 1992 and it's, you know, it's been through three owners and, you know, when you're on the site, there's, if you're looking for that jacket, you don't, you know, there's an infinite time because if you, if you're not going to grab up that jacket, someone else will.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: So they tend to be items that sold well the first time and the sell through tends to be incredible, incredibly high because they're really sought after pieces.
0: Yeah, that's that's absolutely true. Um, so customers today definitely have evolved in a way where transparency, trust, awareness are key factors that influence their purchasing decisions. What are your thoughts on this and how do you see purchasing decisions uh, further evolving?
1: Yeah, there's, there's absolutely a trend, especially with, um, and it's really a welcome trend, with millennials and Gen Zs about aligning with values. Right Value alignment with the brands that um, that that they support, but I think that there's a lot of talk um, and I think that there's some action, but I think increasingly as you know with more transparency there's there's an expectation that companies can't just you know can't just put up a box that takes items back without really a thought about where those items go next and the expectation with more transparency and more awareness goes beyond just you know a marketing slogan and a banner to to really being able to take back items and have a plan to get the next use out of those items. I don't think it's going to be enough. In fact, I think it's even a liability to simply take back items for people that are ultimately burned and buried anyway. I think eventually millennials and Gen Zs will see through that. And people really respect brands that take action and are willing to stand behind and create bold bold business innovation where um, you know, an Eileen Fisher piece is, is bought and worn and enjoyed and brought back. And cleaned and then resold and enjoyed and brought back and then you know cleaned etc and that type of model we think a lot about you know uses per per item mm-hmm. lights per tent miles per jacket we think about you know engineers inspired per Lego set it's the idea in these bold models of how much use can we get out of the things we've made because it benefits everybody
0: that's pretty cool um- you have been quoted to say that um, friction gets in the way when buying your stuff. When dealing with so many suppliers, how do you ensure consistency and quality uh, as maintained? Is there a way to check that suppliers are following um, the merchandising guidelines? Um, and how do you ensure customers get value for, for what they purchase and that the customer is protected?
1: You know, a way to think about the model and the, the way that we support our brand partners like Patagonia, REI, etc. Eileen Fisher. Think about um, the difference between certified pre-owned cars mm-hmm. and a used car lot. So, on a used car lot, if you're looking to, um, you know, you're looking to buy a used Lexus, you might be able to find that on a used car lot. But if you buy a certified pre-owned Lexus from a Lexus dealer, you know that that car has had a 200 and some point inspection. You know that if there are any problems, you're going to be able to bring it back. The shopping experience is easier because. The dealer that knows everything about that vehicle still knows about the vehicle from three years ago. So you're able to get fantastic service. And then on the supply side, you know, brands and retailers, just like Lexus and Automotive, brands and retailers have the most knowledge and most ability to get back the supply of these high-quality items. So the Lexus dealer, most people when they're looking for their new car, aren't going to leave their car sitting in their yard. They're going to bring it back to the kind of to Lexus. And so you know, you also reduce the friction by being able to bring back an item you're no longer using right to the place you bought it. And in doing so, when you bring back a Patagonia jacket to a Patagonia store, they hand you a gift card. You can upgrade to what you want now. Mm-hmm. And then the item that you bring back to a store, gets cleaned, posted on the Patagonia website, and we can buy it with the same ease, just like you can buy a pre-certified Lexus. You know it's going to be in great shape, and it's Patagonia, so you know if there are any problems, you can bring it back.
0: That's that's really good model. So Patagonia, Eileen Fisher, all of your partners are basically responsible for authenticating their own items and ensuring quality of resale.
1: Yeah. So when, whenever you're buying from a site that um, that we support partners, and that is always the case. So sometimes a brand will do that authentication. Sometimes we do, but it's always sold with the same idea that when you're selling a, um, a resale product on a brand site, it better live up or even exceed what you expect from that brand
2: mm-hmm. so
1: when you're buying when you're buying used gear from rei you know that it's going to come with um the same type of quality and guarantee and backing that you'd find ever you know with anything at rei
0: right right um, the e-commerce business is obviously growing we're, we're we're hearing about it more and more um, and it's growing whether brands want to be part of it or not how do you get brands to participate in such a customer-driven economy? And um, what has been some of the biggest challenges to get brands and customers on board?
1: Yeah, so the, I mean, the customer point you bring up is a fantastic one. Retail and brands, one of the things that is fun about retail and, and challenging is that retailers have to evolve with customers. And those retailers that don't stay relevant, and don't evolve with customers, just don't get to survive. Right? We've seen it. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it just repeats itself. And so the um, one thing we do see and a strong belief that we have is brands have a right to win in this space. So just like um, the Apple take back program with phones,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: when Apple started taking back phones and reselling their iPhones, you know, a a lot of us who are buying the iPhone 10 just handed in our iPhone 8s. And that a brand like Apple has um, a right to win that compared to an eBay or third party marketplace. Where you know you're standing in the Apple Store because you're buying your new phone and you're bringing back your old one, and so brands have a right to win. The risk is that because this is a customer space, a brand's got to own this model. So a brand that that would, um, you know, there are a lot of third-party marketplaces out there that are making use of this customer-driven trend. I think the Real Real has done a fantastic job with luxury. Right, Rent the Runway has done such a good job with the rental market, and you know there, there are many of them. Poshmark has done a fantastic job. And the risk as a brand is that if you are not providing those same things, in other words, if your customers are no longer showing up to your store and instead they're going straight to the real real, that's a lost customer. And so I think that it's risky for any brand not to own this part of the customer expectation. And to simply partner with the real real is simply losing your customer. And we saw the same thing play out for e-commerce in the 90s. It was really easy for a retailer like a Target, um, a Borders, or a Barnes & Noble to say, this e-commerce shift, it's, it's a lot of work, it's really hard, so why don't we just have a tab on Amazon?
2: Mm-hmm. And when
1: someone comes into Target and they want to buy something online, we'll just send them to Amazon. And I mean, obviously, that took Target years to recover from, you would say, some of the book retailers never recovered. And it's just a risky proposition when the customer evolves not to own that experience. And for our company for Yertle, as a white label player, our goal is to provide brands all the logistics, technology, and program management support that that bring the capabilities but allow a brand to still do this within the brand
2: yeah
1: in that way they keep their customer and they evolve with the customer without investing you know tens and hundreds of millions of dollars in new operational infrastructure
0: yeah so you're you're saying that uh, just as in the nineties brands we supposed to be paying very close attention to their digital strategy. Now they're supposed to be paying very close attention to their resale strategy. Otherwise, it's going to be... 100%. And
1: a yeah. brand or a retailer that is not, just like in the 90s, is doing so at their own risk. And I think that's always the case. And once a, once a brand or a retailer decides that this is of strategic importance to them, just like in the 90s with e-commerce, there's another decision then in terms of how to do it. And I think that at that point, once a brand has decided this is something that's really important to them, that's a point that we'd love to then join that conversation with them, based on the knowledge we have and the brands we work with. That's where we're able to really help. But a but a brand that doesn't see the strategic nature of this space, um, we can provide materials that show it. But I think it's that first step, and I think increasingly what we're finding is that brands and retailers, this is on their radar. Mm -hmm. They are aware of the shifts in the way customers shop, and they're really at that next question, which is how do we how do we address this now?
0: You're, you're partnering now with uh, brands like Patagonia, Eileen Fisher, REI, Taylor Stage, Arcteryx, I'm sure I'm pronouncing it correctly, to, to launch their um, uh, used product online storefronts, which uh, are powered by Yordle. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, they really show uh, your partner's commitment in a circular economy. Talk a little bit about how a typical partnership model works. Are more brands receptive to partnering in such a way?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So if you take any of those, um you take any of those, those are all the brands that you mentioned are TERX kind going out. I mean Fisher, REI, um, Taylor Stitch, those those are all brands that have live um, take back and resale programs. Right. We support those brands uh, and and others that are to be launched. And so um the way you know, I mean, again, more brands who are seeing this are looking at this model of getting operational and technology support, but doing it just like these brands were talking about, doing it inside the brand. Um, the the question of what challenges exist, I mean, the um, the things I think that you know, like any change, just like e-commerce in the '90s. One, I think the the first challenge is just realizing the significance of a customer shift like this. I think the challenges beyond there, there's a there's another challenge that we often see that says, "Will this, um, will this be worthy of my brand?" And I think sometimes people have the wrong idea of the space, and they think about it like a, a less than. Right. Mm-hmm. Twenty years ago, when you bought a used item, it was because you couldn't afford the new item. Whereas millennials and Gen Zs will be, a, you know, will buy a, a pre-owned item because it's got history and and heritage and some narrative, and it's more of a one of it's more interesting.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I think that it's. The next step is, is, can brands are brands worried about what this will do to the brand? And anyone who's worried about that, spend some time on Patagonia or Taylor Stitch, see how these brands are, you know not just not just you know, keeping a high bar with how they do resale, but actually elevating um, elevating the brand itself. Arcteryx is a great example. Arterix, their program for use is called Rock Solid Used Gear. hmm and rock solid for anyone who's a, like I am a big fan of Arc'teryx gear. Rock solid was actually the original name of the company. Okay. And so brands that um, really do this well and own it. Don't just find that they can maintain a high level of branding. They actually use this as a way to elevate the brand. Uh, the next, uh, and an additional place that um, brands are concerned at the get go and then find out not to be true is of course, there's a risk of cannibalization, right? So there's a risk that, If you as a brand are selling new items next to the used items, isn't everyone just going to go buy the used item? Mm -hmm. All of the data that we have right now across hundreds of thousands of items in the last year, none of our brand partners have found that to be the case. We've actually found exactly the opposite that there's a customer that's actually looking for used. And if the brand is not offering it, it just means that customer is not shopping at that brand. And there's a customer that's looking for new. And just because you offer the used item next to the new, there is very little cannibalization. That cannibalization, albeit small, is dwarfed by the increase of traffic and ability to attract a whole new customer to your offering. And that's what we've seen time and time again. And so I really believe that the cannibalization question is much more uh, a fear of something different than anything that we've really seen play out with the data.
0: So you you touched upon uh, luxury clothing and real uh, real business model. Uh, why don't brands just partner with Real Real to resell their luxury fashion?
1: Yeah, again, I, I am a big fan of what the Real Real does as a third party marketplace. And there are some brands that, um, actually, one in particular, that has done a really nice job just to do something. The best option out there was to work with the third party marketplace. At this point, where there are options like Yertle um, and other platforms that do the lifting of logistics and technology. I think a brand really takes on risk by not owning that customer and owning the customer experience. And so a brand that has a long-term strategy of working with the third-party marketplace, again, is a lot like a target deciding to do e-commerce, not as target.com, but to just outsource that to someone like Amazon.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And really, the, the heart of the risk is that these platforms, their interest, their primary interest is, you know, rightfully so, is in building their own brand. Right And building their own marketplace, that's what they're brilliant at. but they build that, leveraging the brand names. Their job is not to grow those brands, it's to grow their own brand and grow their own user base. And so whenever you partner with someone who's got misaligned interests to your own, I think it's a risky proposition, and this one's risky just in terms of owning your customer, and that is essential.
0: And of course, then uh, the big benefit of in partnering with somebody like doll is you figured out all of the reverse logistics and how to accept items. How to? Can you talk a little bit about what your platform actually offers?
1: When so, one of the uh, one of the core differences when we're talking about any of these platforms, right? So just you know, resale items in general, they're not. Um, y- you never have ten thousand units in four sizes or five sizes and four colors. Mm-hmm. You're dealing with one item, and even if you have two of the same item you know one might have pilling on the lower left sleeve and one might have you know a small patch here so every item is one of one
2: mm-hmm.
1: and when you have a lot of you know snowflakes that you're dealing with it means that you know to 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 work with that in a scalable way you need a set of capabilities both technology um as well as operations To address those one-of-a-kind items, and I can give you some examples. You know, the first time that we saw a Patagonia item come back that originally had a hood, but the hood was detachable. Mm. You know, when the item comes back into a store, you know, maybe the customer never wore it with the hood. Maybe they got it from someone else. They never got the hood. But you know, you wouldn't know to look for that. And then when we match it with its, you know, metadata and it's posted online, it looks like it has a hood, and that's a disappointing experience when it shows up used and doesn't have that. So we've got a concept called tips where every time you know we learn something like a detachable hood on a Patagonia we then look for every partner item that has anything detachable mm-hmm. so it could be an Eileen Fisher item that had a belt and immediately in our system whenever we receive one of those items from any brand partner that item gets flagged in our check-in process to check for that item and an Eileen Fisher piece that originally had a detachable belt and doesn't might still sell uh, might be a great value but we should let the customer know Absolutely. And so there are, and, and I think at this point, we've got 20 some thousand different tips. So there's just a whole set of infrastructure from photography to check-in to fulfillment um, that, you know, brands need to be famous for focusing on customers and the branding and their innovation. They don't need to be famous for one of a kind logistics. And so the way we see it is Let us build those operational capabilities across many partners so that the brand can do this in their brand in the way that it makes sense for them. And they can focus on that
2: and
0: Mm -hmm. we can
1: focus on tips.
0: Yeah, that's absolutely great. Well, thank you so much, Andy, for being part of our podcast. Really appreciate your time.
1: Awesome. Julia, thank you. And uh, I look forward to talking to you soon.
0: We are in the age where retail is constantly evolving. New retail formats, new business models, and new segments of customers are just constantly coming. To get your monthly dose of retail, fashion, and AI, tune into the podcast at view.ai. Until then, goodbye.